Welcome back to Extra Credit, a TransUnion Card and Banking Podcast with me, Josh Turnbull, and Craig LaChapelle. And we, on this podcast, try to uh, provide insights and not push products from TransUnion. Thanks, Josh. Really excited to have Bill Bostwick here, SVP of Credit Cards at Atlanticus, who provides credit card solutions for the financially underserved. Bill has deep card experience with previous leadership stints at Credit One, Wells Fargo, Nat City, Sears, and First Chicago, all within the lending or credit card space. So welcome, Bill. Tell us a little bit more about Atlanticus, your current role, and interests outside of your vocation. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the time. Um, Atlanticus uh, has two primary business channels. One is general purpose credit cards. The other is uh, retail finance. In the retail finance, we're a second look provider to a number of retail outlets in the home improvement space, the furniture play space, some jewelry, some other retailers uh, of the like. Uh, in the general purpose card business, Atlanticus uh, restarted that line of business around 2016 and really started to grow it uh, between 2017 and 2019 in, in particular. Um, currently about uh, a little over a billion in assets uh, on both of our major portfolios. I joined uh, over five years ago from Credit One. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, uh, and you were polite to avoid it, I'm, I'm old in the industry. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I started just after they got rid of the old slide machines in the retail outlets. Uh, but we, we don't need to go into how many years ago that was. Outside of work, uh, you know, I, I'm here in Atlanta. I'm excited for October. It usually means the end of summer uh, where it's not so hot. You can play actually play golf. Uh, and uh, my wife and I enjoy our one-year-old granddaughter. So that that's our current uh, outside of work uh, love affairs, if you will, golf and our granddaughter. That's great, Bill. Now I've I've heard from a well-placed source. I did hear that you are quite an avid golfer, but I'm also have heard that you are quite the Bears fan, originally being from Chicago. <laughs> That's hard to admit. I'm more of a Cub fan, but uh, they're both not going to have good years. <laughs> well, the, bear, the Bears are sitting two and one. How are you feeling about it? Uh, the Bears have a long history of not developing quarterbacks. Uh, and uh, this the star quarterback we have right now was eight for 17 last week against a very weak team. So I don't hold much promise. <laughs> Okay, well, hopefully it it turns out better. I'm glad you mentioned history because we we're going into a section we always like to start with, and that is offering some trivia questions based on an area of interest of our guests. So I have selected the Chicago Bears (laughs) Uh (laughs) for the trivia questions. We'll see how it goes. So first area for you, assuming you're up for it. It's team records. So do you know when the franchise was granted or formed and what their original name was? It was in the 20s, I believe. And no, I don't remember their original name. I'll give you the 20s. Accurate. That was the Chicago Staley's. They were there okay. for two two years and they moved to, to the Bears. All right. Um, 
How many NFL championships do the Bears have? Probably about five. Nine. They're second all time. Here, here's almost a, all but one before the Super Bowl days. I might add. That's well, that's true. <laughs> that 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 is absolutely true. What's your best guess for if you could rank order the Bears' record against the NFC North, their current NFC North opponents? Um, and I think you're aware of them: Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit. Who who do you think they have the best record against? Who do you think they have the worst record against all time? You know, I remember a Packer versus Bears a couple years ago, and it seems like the Packers have the last 10 years have dominated. So I'll go with their their best against the Lions. Correct. Correct. Now, who are they who are they worst against? There were about 500 against the Packers. Again, that was a few years ago that I recall that. So I'll say the Vikings. Ding, ding, ding. You nailed it. Yeah, that absolutely nailed it. But not, but the difference was by literally 0. 0.003. <laughs> here's a here's a question. I'll give you a little bit of a hint. Who is the Bears' all-time leading rusher and all-time leading receiver in re- terms of receptions? And here's the hint. It's the same player. It's got to be Walter. You got it. <laughs> nice job. Nice job. Now, open question for you. Is there any piece of bears trivia or observation beyond their current struggles that you'd like to share i remember sitting in wrigley field one december day watching a bears game and i think they moved to soldier field around 1970 Mm -hmm. so that was in the 60s and that would be something i would love to see the bears in wrigley and i sat in what's more commonly known as the right field bleachers and Yes, the wind off of Lake Michigan is pretty damn cold. <laughs> yeah, I've I've been there for a Cubs game. It feels like a you're watching a football game. Um, so that's it for they trivia. Played the Lions. Oh, there you go. Interesting. I didn't even and know they, they used won. to play at Wrigley Field. Yeah, I remember yeah, I Gale I Sayers and Dick Buckus. Hmm. Well, those those were the uh, the high days. Well, we're f- done with trivia. The were notorious for giving tough trivia questions, uh, but you did you did quite well. So so well done. Now let's let's move into some more learned or serious topics. Josh, thanks, Greg. So Bill, maybe just to start, I'm curious. Thinking about the credit card industry and and where we are, what do you see as some of the major challenges for credit card issuers in the next three years, and how do you see the industry addressing some of those? You know, I look at the last 10 years or so, maybe 12, and we've had a very stable economy, uh, low unemployment, uh, stable interest rates, uh, so, so no significant macroeconomic issues. Um, pandemic hit, uh, and I, I remember vividly standing on my front porch because we were all working from home, and uh, our president goes, what should we do? You know businesses are shutting down and I'm sorry I'm I'm getting up there in years but I don't have a playbook for a pandemic Uh, but what we've since learned is the stimulus was a fantastic boost to our customer segment Uh, delinquencies came down this segment of the market probably more so than any other segment was flush with cash and our delinquency rates 
Uh, it's a stretch here, but we almost look like a prime issuer for a while. Now the now the environment has completely changed. Uh, and again, we don't have experience in the last 10 to 12 years of what do we do in an inflation? What do we do? We have a little bit of experience with rising unemployment at the beginning of the pandemic, but it's not going to be like uh, if if you believe unemployment's going to go up in the next X number of months, it, it's not going to be the same way. So I think that's going to be a big challenge we have. Uh, are the assets priced for the rising delinquency rates that we all or most of us anticipate are going to happen and started to see happen? And do we have the team members that have lived through an economic downturn? So if, if anyone on your team is hasn't been in the credit card industry since 2008, they haven't been through a downturn. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, that's that's helpful. And you know, to that point, many of your customers are particularly susceptible to some of the inflationary pressures. I mean, they're hitting everyone, but but uh, your customers may be feeling that in a way that that some aren't. Mm -hmm. How should issuers be thinking differently about using data or serving customers in this environment? And, and how are you thinking about data as, as some of these inflationary pressures hit consumers and, and your portfolio in particular? I'll say from a risk management perspective, uh, we're tightening our criteria, uh, cutoffs and criteria. We're not going as deep into our risk models and, and other scores. We're taking a hard look at minimum income. You're, you're absolutely right. The the consumer, you know, pick and pick a range in the thirty to fifty thousand dollar range, is way more impacted by five dollar a gallon gas than somebody that makes over a hundred thousand. I mean, it's still an impact, mm -hmm. but it's it's a very significant impact to this consumer's part of the market. Um, so we are, you know, hard look at what's our income, what our DTI cutoffs are, what our risk cutoffs are. The other thing I I think about, and, and again, going back to the last 10 years, you know, quite honestly, I hadn't seen a lot of cost benefit analyses that say we should be using alternative data. More of the analysis said you can rely on the traditional credit bureau file. Uh, and the alternative data was interesting to look at, but it didn't provide a lift. But now as consumers are more strapped, could they be going and using alternative lenders to make ends meet? Could they be getting by with buy now, pay later type companies and vehicles to finance things? So using that data, I, again, I wasn't too excited about it five years ago because we were real stable. Uh, we didn't have buy now, pay later. Uh, now as consumers are strapped, I think that type of data will become more and more useful in the marketplace. That's helpful, Bill. And and just thinking about new data sources or, or other things, you know, one of the the challenges in a credit card business is that it requires a good amount of patience and, and it's a pretty capital intensive business. What's your perspective on how issuers can truly differentiate themselves going forward and whether that's you know in the the way you service customers or the product itself? You know, again, we like to use the tagline serving everyday Americans for their everyday needs. Um, so we're we're trying to help out in terms of the way I think about it, how we're helping out is we constantly encourage our customers to use our app so they know every day what their balance is, what their available credit is, when their payments do. 
we do and have tested different uh, ways of getting consumers to sign up for auto pay. You know, stay on a budget, uh, even even in this environment. Um, we do test on, a, I'll, I'll say more from a marketing perspective, help our consumers out by cash back on things that are most stressed, uh, groceries and gas. Uh, again, back to the tagline, serving everyday Americans with everyday needs. Uh, so we're, we're trying to help them out from that perspective as well. But again, it, some of it, you know, one of your, one thought was what what could the industry and everybody do a little bit better and I, it's financial education and and staying on a budget i had, and i think we're guilty of this too we we got room for improvement in how do we educate the consumers in terms of budgeting best practices and staying on that and that's why we we like to you know incent or really promote the usage of set your minimum payment on auto pay mm -hmm. sure pay us more when you can uh but avoid you know missing a payment and damaging your credit yep hope right. i answered the question yeah i think you did a great job um you know you you talked about some of the value-added services that you know issuers are wrapping around the card as a product um but thinking about the card and its capabilities of product. What other key product trends are you seeing? It, it doesn't necessarily have to be in your space or it could be in the broader card space in terms of functionality, pricing, or rewards. In, anything there that's interesting that jumps out at you? Well, the buy now, pay later would be a new phenomenon. And credit card companies are trying to figure out how we can do that within the card vehicle. Um, and you think about a credit card, you know, if you paid it on time all the time, it essentially is sort of a buy now, pay later. <laughs> um, yeah. But obviously consumers in our space, many of them, you know, use it for short term financing and and carry a balance. But it, so that's having an impact. It's having an impact on the underwriting side. How many of these do you does the consumer have out there? Uh, are they buying goods and services? And they're really strapped in their budget. Uh, I've read one article, you know, somebody it was even offered to put their groceries on buy now, pay later. Um, as a risk manager, that gets you a little nervous. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's the reality of, you know, eight, 10% inflation. And it's not just on gas prices, it's on, on groceries. Yeah. And a, and a lot of the buy now, pay later is actually, um, you know they're paid or they're funded by the card itself it's kind so of an old product uh you know but the industry it's been around the industry kind of ebb and flows there's been some regulatory concerns around credit protection and this is the product where if you're unemployed or medically unable whatever the case may be we the card issuer make your your minimum payment um to get you over that hump. Um, again, a lot of regulatory scrutiny around it is really adding value. I'll tell you during the pandemic and when companies shut down, a lot of our consumers took advantage of that product uh, and it was greatly beneficial. Um, so is it gonna come back again? If you have the view that we are headed into a slightly higher unemployment period in our economy, but that's an old fashioned product. <laughs> not a not a new one. Uh, absolutely. I mean, that's you know, Josh and I have talked about that a lot, and you know, that's very similar to to our perspective. 
Um, Bill, I want to move just slightly instead of focusing necessarily on the product and the consumers, and we'll come back to that. I want to talk to you about your perspective. If you think about, and it's really a competitive perspective, um, you consider how different issuers position themselves across the risk spectrum. Do you see any changes in how the competition is evolving, moving up and down the spectrum or, you know, shifting focus? Any Anything interesting jump out at you there? Yes, and we talk about this a lot here. There's been a lot of new entrants into the marketplace um, in the last, I'll say, 18 to 24 months. I'm sure they their their teams are well qualified and and have been in the, around the industry a while. They come out with very competitive pricing. Maybe it's too aggressive pricing. Um, they tend to focus at the higher end of our range uh, or very near prime. But in a downturn, can that price can they withstand the impact of of rising delinquency rates with some of the aggressive pricing that we see in the marketplace? It's shifted a lot. I've been here five years and it's it shifted an awful lot in the last two to three years. You know, again, good times when this segment of the market was heavily uh, provided with stimulus, if you will, but can it withstand a rising delinquency rate environment? Yeah, and we worry about that too. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm not, don't mean to pick on my competitors. We worry, that's what I do every day is worry about that. No, that makes that makes sense. That's interesting to hear. Do you see any? And it's a question. It, there's nothing behind this question. I'm just curious. Do you see any of the? Um, I'll call them the prime and above folks starting to, uh, I guess, broaden their product ladder or dip their toes in the non-prime space. I do see some of that. Uh, the data I get. And I'll I'll say maybe some of it based on my prior big bank experience. I tend to believe they stay closer to their customer base, uh, so they they don't do it in a big way. Uh, and if I were them, I'd want to all right. I'll carefully go down there if I know how the customers leveraging our checking account products and do I see uh, periodic payroll deposits? Uh, do they have a car loan with us? Uh, versus just going after the non-Chase, non-Wells customer base, if you will, segment of the 600 bureau score segment. I, I don't see them doing that in a big way. Thank you. And why not? I mean, there are new entrants into the marketplace uh, providing me access uh, to insights into your checking account and how you manage your, your finances. Uh, if you're Chase or Wells, you have that in-house, obviously. Obviously, other banks, I don't mean to just pick on those two. <laughs> Under, completely understood. You know, Bill, I'm curious, you, you've, as you mentioned, been at this a while. And if you were talking to someone who's new in their career and, and they said, you know, on one hand, I'm thinking about going into into credit card and kind of a traditional large retail bank franchise and, and working my credit card career there, or... You know, I could come to uh, someone like Atlanticus that's focused on a specific marketing a market segment outside of a, a kind of big retail bank. What would your, not that there's a right answer, but uh, you know, how would how would I know that it's uh, you know what you're doing is the right fit for me versus going more the the retail bank card portfolio route? 
The one thing I, I really enjoy about the card business is I learn something new every day. There, it's so sensitive to the economy. It's not just, uh, I'll pick on my friends in mortgage lending. There you make, you make a decision, maybe a tougher decision, but then you don't have to do anything for seven, 10 years until they refi. Mm -hmm. In the card business, it, it's constantly evaluating the data, getting your hands dirty, if you will, in the data. And the trends, if you think you've got the trends nailed down, something changes. Um, so if you if if your aspirations or your interests lie in constantly evaluating and, and analyzing data, uh, it that's the that's the part of the business I like the most. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Bill, as you know, we obviously come into these uh, podcasts with some prepared questions, but always like to ask our guests, you know, is there something that's near and dear to your heart that we didn't address that you feel like you need, you want to share um, with the audience or with us? You know, I'm always interested that I mentioned the new entrants before. So how did they get started? How did they get financing? And what do those financiers now think of their, their profitability and their trends? You know, I'm very close to the data, very close to our P&Ls know the impact uh, and you know a 10% increase in delinquencies can have on the P&Ls. So I'm often wondering and, and thinking, how are they surviving? What's their next turn at the marketplace? In terms of the data landscape, you know, when I started, there were three major credit bureaus and that's all they did is get credit from all the creditors. And actually, I think there were a fourth and a fifth bureau way back when. Um, <laughs> But now it's all this interesting uh, alternative data and how much is useful versus how much uh, is really not very useful or too expensive in the marketplace. And, and I'm sure, you know, all three bureaus, in my opinion, actually, I think this is fact, went out and bought alternative data providers. Uh, Clarity, Factor Trust, Data X, all of those types of companies were purchased. Uh, now you see more and more uh, push into getting banking data, and you even see some card issuers that say, that's how we're going to underwrite. We're not even going to go to the three bureaus. But will a consumer be willing to give up or, or give you banking credentials to let you have that view into that space? You know, part of me thinks, geez, for a $500 credit limit card, uh, I'm not giving you my checking account info. Uh, it's widely accepted in the mortgage business um, when you're refinancing your house. So I think it's going to be fascinating through this economic downturn. We'll eventually get out of it. How all those different data sources play and which ones are going to be beneficial and which ones aren't going to be beneficial to the service providers, card issuers like ourselves. Bill, you, you hit on the the data, and I, I also know that uh, Atlanticus is a bit of an analytics powerhouse as well. And I'm, I'm curious, you've also talked about some of the new entrants into to your space. You've talked about the the retail banks issuing cards and how they don't necessarily overlap too much with with the market. You spend a lot of time thinking about, are there things that, that you or, or folks who have a similar focus you think do really well that the industry as a whole could learn from? 
when I go to uh, events like advisory boards and things, uh, this is a data intensive business. Um, you know, Cap One gets a lot of play for bu building up all the talent in the industry. Mm -hmm. um, so I think we all do that pretty well. I'm not sure the new entrants have the history uh, of the data that they can reach back on and, and again, through different economic cycles. I mean, if you just launched your first credit card in 2019, you've had nothing but good times. Uh, and, and then in 2020, great times. What do we do really well? Uh, it's the data analytics. Where can we get better? Uh, I think understanding, I, I constantly struggle and, and I got a pretty good idea of what my customer base looks like but it's hard to really understand their perspective day in and day out. Fortunately, we're not in the low to middle income segment of the marketplace. Um, so really trying to understand from the customer's perspective, what could my product do to make your life better? Uh, we think we're hitting it. You know, we think we do that. We're, we're trying to encourage you to use our app to set up auto pay, to think about the, the, the days where you might really need an extra line of credit and maintain a good credit history and build the credit history. Financial education, quite honestly, I think that's a problem for the whole country. I've read some articles on that and we should be teaching that in high school. I 100% totally agree. agree with that. Um, and it should be a required course in college, but we need to start earlier because not everyone can go to college, mm -hmm. um, maybe even before high school. Uh, we've probably all had this. If you have kids, you probably do that with your kids because there's no other vehicle for them to learn about it. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is our kids don't listen to us. <laughs> it's, that's true. I mean, I totally agree. I took a, a course in um, undergrad money and banking. You know, it's all about the money supply and velocity of money and things like that. But taking the concept of money and banking and, you know, having that as a simple or simplified version of that in seventh or eighth grade, I think would do wonders, making it a national mandate. Yeah. Sorry, I don't I don't know if you could see me. I'm on my soapbox, but <laughs> so wildly no. gesticulating there, Craig. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I I have a daughter whose boyfriend you at 21, your taxes should be very simple. And quite honestly, our government should make our taxes much simpler, but they don't. Um but he, I mean, the simple mistakes he made, even using TurboTax, it's, there's a huge void in, in the education area of this market in, in our country. Um, and, you know, I, I, I see our customer base and there's a segment of our customer base that, you know, are 45 to 60 that are, are struggling. And geez, if they had had, had education 20, 30 years ago, would they be much better off? And I'm an optimist. Yes, they would have been. Mm -hmm. um, so we need to, I think us as an industry, us as a country, our government, the, our school systems, we're all guilty and need to improve. No, I'd agree. I agree. So, Bill, I think we're nearing the end of our time. Thank you again for, you know, carving out, you know, 30, 40 minutes out of your uh, busy day to spend some time with us offering insights. Uh, like you, I'm quite curious to see, you know, over the next couple of years, 
are, are business models going to change? Is there going to be a shakeout in you know different types of payments? Uh, it's it's rightly or wrongly, it's going to be an exciting time. Definitely will. Agree. Well, enjoy the rest of the day, Bill. Thanks Thank again f- for your time. Well, thanks again, everyone, for joining us in our October podcast. We really appreciate you listening. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to reach out to us via email and offer them up. I forget the email address, Josh. What is it? Extra credit at transunion.com. We love love the notes that we get. Awesome. Thanks again. See you next month.